The first time is Chirp's live lit and music event held quarterly at Martyrs in North Center. The night's theme was First Fling. Up next, we've got Jill Hopkins. She is a radio host for Vocalo. Uh, like, MC. Hold on a second. I'm like... <laughs> All my papers are... Uh, like, she's a musician, she's a former Chirp volunteer and participant. Guys, give it up for Jill Hopkins. A 25-year relationship started one day when I was 15 years old because a boy I kind of knew named Jim, and there's no delicate way of putting this, he went down on me. It's a good day. It's a good day. Uh, That day was full of firsts. We're going to hear all about them. (laughs) And that first fling turned into one of my most enduring friendships. The last week of my freshman year of high school was a whirlwind. I had spent uh, the majority of that year, from September to April, flailing, which isn't so unusual. I'd gone to a Catholic elementary school with the same 20 people in my class from kindergarten through eighth grade. I don't recommend that. Um, My high school, on the other hand, was on the other side of town. It was a selective enrollment school. Uh, The entire school from seventh through 12th grade had about 1,400 kids in it. And I knew one of them from before. He was my friend's older brother. Another story, another day. That's who I lost my virginity to, blah, blah, blah. We'll we'll, We'll do that at another time. Uh, but of course I was struggling, right? I was, a, I was what I like to call a recovering skinny person, uh, which was a, a real nice way of saying like awkwardly plump. Um, I got hit by puberty so hard uh, that I dropped out of the ballet classes I had been taking since I was eight years old because my center of mass literally changed. <laughs> And I couldn't dance like I used to anymore. And my feet got so stupidly big for my body that it was just a problem. And they didn't have those sweet brown point shoes back then. And I was just over it. Um, I had just started to like grow into my teeth. And then then I stopped and I never started again. Um, And I had uh, very recently made a very hard pivot into very hard rock music. There, were, there was like less than three years between, oh my God, Jordan Knight and Joey McIntyre, New Kids Forever, to um, uh, me having just several posters of Chris Cornell on the inside of my locker. Um, I didn't really know how to like navigate music conversations yet at 14, but I'm a radio DJ, so that part at least worked itself out. Um, At the time, though, I was extraordinarily average, and that was fine. At 14, the last thing I wanted was to be paid attention to. So being average and and, and kind of sinking into the background was so perfect. Like many freshmen, I struggled to find my clique, and I struggled to find what I might be good at. Uh, My lab partner in biology wanted to audition for the spring play. It was Hamlet that year. And uh, he needed a scene partner. So we auditioned together. I got a part. He did not. That was a bummer for him, but it was awesome for me because (laughs) I I needed 
I needed space. And uh, the drama club is where artsy, cool kids who are older than me hung out. And I was hoping that, you know, along the way, maybe they would know who I was. So fast forward. Hamlet goes swimmingly, by the way. If there were Jeff Awards for high school theater in the <laughs> 90s, it would have been amazing. I had the first line. I said, who's there? And um, I really think it carried the whole play. So fast forward to the last day of school. It's senior ditch day. I found myself out on the lawn with a bunch of upperclassmen. Your girl came a long way. Uh, it was 1994. The downward spiral was freshly out that spring, and I was in the middle of something real interesting fashion-wise. Um, I would say that I remember exactly what I was wearing on that day because it was unusual, but I remember exactly what I was wearing that day because I kind of wore a variation of the same outfit. Uh, bootleg Doc Martin boots, probably from a Goldblatt's. Uh, yeah, shout out to being poor. Uh, cut-off jean shorts that uh, I had drawn on with uh, Sharpie. Um, probably like Smashing Pumpkins lyrics and like flowers. Um, <clears throat> and I was wearing a black Pearl Jam t-shirt. You could always find me in a black Pearl Jam t-shirt. I have always loved a band t-shirt, you guys. It is a resume you can wear. <laughs> you can tell about a person by what band tee they've chosen for that day. This clearly is my Metallica Black Album. Uh, I'm positive at the time that someone had a guitar and they were probably butchering Nirvana. Meanwhile, we're sitting there enjoying a lovely summer day and a girl I've never seen before comes walking over to our group and is greeted so enthusiastically by people that I think are so cool that I contemplated faking it when she came over and just being like, oh my God, girl, hello, what, hello. You look fantastic, what? But instead, I just kind of sat there and tried to die. <laughs> this, the girl's name was Laura, and she used to go to our school. Uh, her family had moved away and she tried to, or she had to transfer out. Uh, she left behind a bunch of friends who had no idea that she was in town that day. Her older brother was graduating college that weekend in Chicago, and they'd all come back for that. And since it was ditch day, she asked her friends if they wanted to come with her to her brother's part house in Jefferson Park. He had Star Wars on Laserdisc. <laughs> yes. Of course people wanted to go see Star Wars on Laserdisc. It was 1994. It was Star Wars. We had no idea that in the future we would have a surplus of Star Warses. <laughs> we have at least four too many Star Warses. So at, them, at that point, a chance to see it on Laserdisc was too good to pass up. This is how you would watch Star Wars on the Millennium Falcon. Folks started gathering up their things, and someone said, hey, Jill, you want to go with us? And I thought that I had been swallowed up by the earth and returned to that whence I came, so I was surprised to have been noticed at all. But of course, I said yes. Laser disc. Um, we made our way to the blue line and up to Jefferson Park. Now, as it turns out, unexpectedly, Laura's brother was throwing himself a graduation party that night. 
Uh, so the house was stocked to the gills with booze. And this is where my story about the first fling turns into the story about the first time I got drunk. <laughs> this nerd party had just turned into a party party. <laughs> and I was kind of ready. <laughs> we decided that we should drink what would be the least missed by the people we were stealing liquor from. And it was 1994 again, so that meant Southern Comfort, Red Dog, oh. yes, this is the appropriate reaction, and Zima's. Oh. And nary a Jolly Rancher to be found. I chipped a tooth that day on a bottle of Zima while watching Star Wars on Laserdisc. <laughs> this whole tooth is almost fake. I had just grown into them and already. Uh, that uh, sentence should be accompanied by a montage and like, I don't know, a Pixie song, a Kim deal, a Kim deal totally. Uh, so when I found myself in a locked bedroom, giggling like the literal schoolgirl I was, <laughs> with Jimmy, who was in Hamlet with me, it just like made sense, you know? Like, yeah, duh. Of course this is how this day was gonna go. I'm clearly in an Amy Heckerling movie right now. I see how this is all gonna go. And I would like to take this moment to uh, let you know that while I was very young and there were many Zimas, this was a very consensual situation. It was also a situation full of examples of all the ways a former Catholic schoolgirl could possibly rebel. Was there teen drinking? Oh yes, there was. Was there ditching school? You betcha. <laughs> Was there about to be some hot third base action? Oh yeah. <laughs> Was there a secular cinematic depiction of the advancement of science and space technology? Ooh. Oh. It was so hot. So hot. Next thing I know, my cutoffs are on the floor. And the Pearl Jam stick man has a front row seat to some real underage interracial cunnilingus. That was a good day. It wasn't until afterwards, while Jimmy was asking me to return the favor and I politely declined. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> that I noticed he was wearing a band shirt, too. Uh, it was Helmet. It was the cover of the Meantime album, uh, one, of or one of 1992's finest hard rock albums. It was real heavy. And I never met anybody else who liked that band. Uh, even though the singer at the time, I believe, was dating Winona Ryder. So that's, like, that's street cred where I'm from. I decided then and there that while I would not be putting this young man's penis in my mouth, <laughs> that I was gonna have a crush on Jim. Jim was only a junior, so he was back the next year, and we didn't see each other over the summer at all. We weren't friends like that. But apparently, <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, you can do this, but I'm not like having dinner with you, okay. Um, but apparently, uh, Jim had taken quite a liking to that helmet shirt since the last time I'd seen him in it, because he wore it all year round. It had like holes in places that don't, like how did like how did this happen? This right here, and he wore it like twice a week. It was uh, pretty gross, but all teenage boys are pretty gross. Um, and this was like 
my kind of gross. Uh, we were both cast in the winter play. Jim got the lead. I got four lines. Jim found himself in trouble for skipping school to, too much and almost got kicked out of the cast and school. I cried at rehearsal trying to defend his honor. School is fascist, and he is just standing up to this elitist magnet education tyranny. The girl who was performing opposite him in the show took pity on me and tried really hard to set us up. Jimmy was always really nice to me, even after all of his friends in my yearbook freshman year called me Blue Balls Hopkins. But he said being friends was probably better and we shouldn't date. But one day, right before tech week, he asked me out and I said yes. And then I waffled and then I threw up at school. And then three days went by and I avoided him. And then he found me backstage and pulled me aside at lunch and told me I was being weird and that we should go back to being friends. I took myself to American Lit class to learn about Edgar Allan Poe and I felt that shit. (laughs) I too knew heartbreak. Edgar Allan Poe. You have tuberculosis. I have teen angst. We are the same. The rest of the year was super awkward, as you can imagine. Jim ended up dating that girl who set us up in the first place. Uh, But that summer, uh, because he knew that I liked Pearl Jam and Helmet, he asked me to play drums in his band with his new girlfriend. And I did, and it was wonderful. In making music together, we finally learned how to really be friends. We created art together for several years, and we grew to actually love one another. As with a lot of relationships that you form at that age, life drifted us apart. He graduated, I graduated. We made new friends, the usual. One time we ran into each other at a bar when I was 23, and I gave him that blowy he had asked for in the 90s. No one has ever accused Jill Hopkins of not being considerate. But then after that, more time passed, we lost each other again, only to be drawn back together by the drama club. Our high school's director was retiring and a huge crew of alumni from all around the world planned pre-mass social media and pre-group texting capabilities uh, for a whole year, a celebration of the man in his career. It was some real Mr. Holland's Opus shit. (laughs) And that's when uh, Jim and I decided to give it another shot. And it was wonderful because it taught us that we are better as friends (laughs) and that's just fine. We love each other. And since then, uh, that was about a dozen years ago, we have not let time or life pull us apart since. We saw each other last weekend, and it was, uh, I forgot to tell him when I wrote this story. (laughs) I totally meant to. Um, Jimmy was the last person I dated before I met my husband. (laughs) Uh, And he's been a wonderful and loyal friend in the years since. Jimmy was at my wedding. Uh, which was five years ago, the day after tomorrow. Uh, A long, yeah, thank you. We haven't murdered each other. Um, uh, He was there at a table along with a surprising number of people from those high school plays. We've all remained friends since then. And at my wedding, he gave me the biggest hug. And he whispered, he's a very lucky man. And I whispered back, 
Yeah, he is. <laughs> I blew him the first time he asked. And we laughed and laughed and laughed. Thank y'all. Never soon.
You can find this and other Chirp Radio interviews and podcasts at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.